0: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Cosmo Technologies. If you've been looking for a better, safer smartphone alternative to stay connected with your kids in this crazy world, then I'm excited for you to learn about Cosmo. Their Junior Track GPS Kids Smartwatch is an award-winning, fully parent-administered, kid-safe device that's a standalone phone with calling and texting, plus a GPS tracker right on your kid's wrist. It's perfect for kids ages five to twelve, especially with back to school around the corner. And it's so great for giving parents peace of mind. The Cosmo Junior Track is just sixty bucks, and Cosmo is offering a special thirty percent off discount for one thousand hours outside listeners to give it a try. So just head over to www.cosmotogether.com and enter code one thousand hours one zero 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 HOURS at checkout. Welcome to the One Thousand Hours Outside Podcast. I have an entrepreneur with me today, Russell York. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jenny.
0: An entrepreneur plus a lot more, but currently, currently an <laughs> entrepreneur um, and and founder of Cosmo Together. So a mission to bring families closer together. You have a smartwatch, a junior track, kid smartwatch, um, and can you tell us your? It's new right? So just since 2020 within the past couple of years. So can you tell us your your journey there?
1: Yeah, of course. No, we, we're very excited about this product. It is a new product. We're a young company. Uh, I was sitting at a kitchen table in early 2020 and sort of stumbled across this idea of uh, connecting very young kids, like pre self phone age kids, but with a device that was really age appropriate designed for them. Uh, it was really a pro-technology idea, right? I think as parents and families, Technology is kind of scary. Uh, It's something we try and put off. But when I saw this, I thought, wow, what if you could turn the narrative and actually make something that was beneficial? And so I launched the company uh, in February 2020. A month later, everybody knows what happened in March. And uh, so it's an exciting first year for us. Uh, as every child in the world uh, was locked inside and we were selling a product to help kids get outside and explore a little bit more of their independence. So it was a, it was a fun first year. But what we've seen in the last couple of years is just a huge urge and a need to get outside to uh, explore the neighborhood. Take back the, the neighborhood is is a campaign we've been running. And uh, uh, this watch has been really, really popular for the last couple of years, actually. it's uh, it's blown up.
0: Yeah, it's, I didn't know it was February of 2020. <laughs> I kind of thought maybe Time it was sort of in the midst of everything. Yeah, February of 2020. So you guys are just a little over two years old. Congrats! It's a huge, it's a huge deal to start a company and sustain a company. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, you, you've got a, you yeah. got a big career here.
1: Yeah, I'm from San Diego. I was homeschooled all growing up, San Diego, born and raised uh, and come from a big family, seven kids. Um, But even though we were in the city, uh, even growing up, we were part of 4-H. And so some of my earliest uh, fondest memories were going out to kind of the rural areas around San Diego. And we raised pigs and goats and sheep and all kinds of things. So I kind of had a foot in both worlds. And I grew up in the nineties you know uh, the nineties and then into the 2000s so there was a transition in my life from being untech to being tech and mm-hmm. uh you know it's such different childhoods if I think about it really I can remember the first phone the first laptop you know and how fundamentally that shifted everything about childhood um, so i uh yeah I've got a distinct appreciation for for uh the, the disconnected uh, childhood experience. And part of our mission really is to figure out how to bring that back. Uh, but I, I went on to uh, a college where I met my co-founder and a couple other great members from our team uh, at Patrick Henry College in Virginia. And uh, and then from there, I, I've had a kind of an interesting career. I've done uh, uh, defense work, uh, went to Afghanistan as a civilian. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur, done all kinds of things in the uh, the digital e-commerce world. And and here I am running a family tech yeah. company. So it's been quite a journey.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. It's interesting, like you said, to have that. Um, and I think we all have it. We all have um, the, our own experience of childhood and, and are sort of trying to grapple with the differences. And and is it good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? You know, does it not matter? And I think everyone's kind of struggling through those questions. Your childhood was in the 90s. Mine was in the 80s. I just had a woman on the podcast who she, um, I think hers was in the 70s, but she was trying to create a 1950s childhood. She spent a summer <laughs> summer doing that. And so, she did a whole bunch of research. Like, you know, back in the 1950s, a mom would tie an alarm clock to the child's bike or to the wagon, you know, and have it set for a wow. certain time. You know, that's how you know when you're supposed to come home. So it's kind of <laughs> kind of interesting. So um, you guys talk a lot about reclaiming childhood. Uh, and, and we've mentioned a little bit, but but what are some of the big things that have changed?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's interesting, right? You're talking to someone who's trying to reclaim the 50s, right? And, but you could talk about reclaiming the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, right? There's um, something in common between that nostalgia for the past. And I think it comes down to um, a, a less distracted um, life where the things that parents really care about were just be home by dinner and, you know, keep some band-aids in the cupboard for scraped knees. Um, and, you know, the school of hard knocks, you're going to fall over. You're going to, you know, have fun with your friends and, and learn things the real way. Um, and, you know, I I'm I'm still shocked myself. I don't you know um, have kids myself yet, but I have many friends that do, and I've got you know nieces and nephews, and you know it's it's a it's a hard time to be a parent because you know you'll go to dinner and there's kids with uh, tablets at dinner, and and your first instinct because you know I haven't experienced that yet myself is to just be a little bit shocked, right? Like. But then at the same time, like, I, I mean, what do you, you know, what a trade-off you have to make. There's this, there's this just, you know, uh, grappling with two different worlds right now. And I think parents are significantly under-resourced right now um, mm-hmm. by society and by technology. Um, I think the only options, it, it's, it's a scenario where there's really only one kind of option for parents. Uh, it's an all or nothing thing in many respects, there's not a lot of middle ground technology. There's not a lot of middle ground mm-hmm. lifestyles, right? I mean, you think about giving your kid a phone. Um, it's hard to put time limits on the phone, right? That becomes right. a battle every day. It becomes an argument every day. And now there's tension in the house and there's an object which you're fighting over. Um, so tech can be all or nothing in that sense, you know, uh, and, and it makes parents unpopular even though you feel like you're being the popular parent by giving in and and giving the child what they want, what their friends have. Right. Um, But the next day you're not popular when you try and put time limits on it. So it's a, it's a whole thing. And and I think, uh, you know, we need to be very sympathetic to parents right now trying to figure this out.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I, you know, when you say um, uh, significantly under-resourced and I've had other people on the podcast who have echoed the same thing, and also who I've talked about, what are we up against? You know, we're up against the, the best and the brightest minds, you know, who know mm-hmm. that, you know, when you swipe down, that's like, you know, it's the same sort of um, anticipation that if you're at the slot machine and, you know, who, who's making these video games, they know they're going to raise your blood pressure and they they know what they're doing. And and um, I had someone on who talked about marketing, in, in particular, marketing to children And actually I've had a couple of people talk about this and that, um, you know, they, they refer to parents as, as purchasing friction. That's the phrase. Um, You know, they'll say how to get rid of the purchasing friction. And they're talking about the adult and the situation that this is what these marketing companies of the, you know, the biggest toy brands and the biggest this, you know, that's what that those are the things that they're talking about at their marketing conferences. And so, you know, if you're just this, you know, this parent who's just trying to make it through the day, you know, just trying to get food on the table, keep your kids clothed, you know, get their permission Mm -hmm. slips lined, all all these different things, you know, feed them the meals, get their lunches packed, all of those types of things. And and behind the scenes, there is this force, you know, that that is well funded, extremely well funded, that's sort of coming against your goals as a family and and I think it is really hard. So under-resourced in the fact that I think we're overwhelmed but also under-resourced, we can't we can't match up to that. We don't have billions of dollars to put toward our own research. Well, and Jenny, Gin-
1: absolutely. And you know, I think that 5 years ago talking like this sounded a little pie in the sky, right? It sounded like oh, there's this secret enclave of technologists that are trying to program our kids, right? And that sounded silly to say. But today, it's been said in front of Congress, right? It's been said, you know, in whistleblower reports, there's documents that are publicly available that show exactly how that works and that it's being done intentionally and that it's being done at massive scale. It's honestly today crazy that there's not more outrage, right? That there hasn't been more government intervention. Uh, We're talking about impressionable minds. We're talking about parents that are being viewed as obstacles to commerce and Mm -hmm. Uh, everything about that equation is wrong. It's absolutely upside down. Um, right. and, and so, I mean, it, it's fascinating, you know, what you guys do at a thousand hours, right? It's such a simple premise to say, you know, kids should be outside, that that's a priority that, you know, if you look back at some of the greatest breakthroughs in our society, you know, with public education being one of them, that all kids have a right to be educated. Part of public education was physical education, and if you think about why physical education was part of a curriculum, it's because you would have kids that just simply didn't have access to organized physical activity that would help them to develop physically, right? Stretch your muscles and work on those joints and, and get coordinated and all those things that you need to do to be a healthy uh, uh, adult. Um, those things are things that our society has understood for a long time are important. And what's happening with this, this you know, cabal of technologists trapping us inside of our homes with screens is the fundamental suppression i think of what really matters when you're a young human being which is to be physical.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting i um i found just very recently this checklist. It was um it was a first grade readiness checklist. It was mm. from 1979. And so there was i don't know maybe 12 to 14 items on it. That was it. And and they included things like can stand on one foot with eyes closed, you know, for 10 seconds. And, you know, can ride a bike without, they didn't even call it training wheels. It was like a different word, you know, can ride a bike without these training wheels. Um, Oh, helper wheels. That's what they called them in the 70s. Uh, My child can travel alone in the neighborhood four to eight blocks to the store, a school playground, or to a friend's house. So these very physical physical things back in the seventies and just, it shows a big cultural shift. I mean, those are not a part of um, the readiness checklist anymore. And, and in fact, you know, we have one going into first grade and I don't know anyone who would let their, you know, their six-year-old walk four to eight blocks alone, you know, so I don't know if the parent would be ready for it. I don't think the child would necessarily be ready for it either. Um, And so it's interesting to see a four decade shift Mm in culture. Um, and like what you said, there was maybe a different aspect on, on physical ability. Um, and now I think it seems a little bit more academic. So, so, some of them are saying, you know, one of the issues is that, and I think this is one of the things that, you, that your company is solving, is that, you know, if, if back in the 70s, kids could walk four to eight blocks within their neighborhood by themselves at age six, that, that it, was, it was a neighborhood where people knew each other. And people were out Mm. and and probably they're going to pass a parent or they're going to pass, you know, someone's older sister or older brother who knows who they are. They're going to, you know, pass people, their community. But these days, that's not happening because people are not outside and we're real busy and things like that. So, you know, how are people using your smartwatch to allow their kids to have a little bit more freedom?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, the, the idea of, of reclaiming the 90s today, I think means um, being comfortable enough to let your kid go and explore the neighborhood without you watching. And, you know, I remember this transition from my own childhood where it was fine to run around the neighborhood. And then gradually, my parents got more concerned about what might happen when we were out of line of sight, right? Not like us being bad kids, but just society, right? Is it safe? Is the neighborhood safe? And there's, you know, so much on the news and doom scrolling on Twitter. And and then suddenly you're just not really comfortable letting your kids run around as freely as they used to. And I know that there's degrees of that depending on the community you live in. Um, But for many, many parents who reach out to us and and who wind up getting our product, it's just like, you know, my kid wants to go sledding down the street without me, right? Not without me, but like, I don't have time to go with them. Um, And how do I make sure that, you know, if there's an accident, they can call me or if something happens, I know where they are. Um, and honestly, for many people, it's just how do I make sure that nobody thinks that my kid is a target or someone who's not being watched or who's disconnected, Mm. right? It's a deterrence. Um, and so, you know, our watches come with incredibly bright straps on them. I'll show you one right now. You know, this is, this is our orange one, bright neon Mm. orange. You can't miss this on a kid's wrist, right? High high visibility. High visibility. And, And that's intentional, right? Um, and so it's it's taking back the neighborhood. It's just saying, you know what, I I'm comfortable letting my kid run around and just saying, you both be home for dinner, right? And I can set a reminder, much like the the mom would put a a stopwatch or an alarm on the wagon, right? We can do the same thing on the watch. So if you program it five p.m. be home, you know, and start peeping. and uh, and so it's it's little things, you know. This is not. Um, this is not rocket science, what we're doing here, right? It's just rethinking what people actually need and want and what's going to help people to live, you know, a a holistic, happy life.
0: I think it's a bridge. I think it's a bridge back, you know, I mean, we're never going to go back. Right. And, and like you say, you're pro technology. So this is not like we're in a bad space. I mean, technology does so much for us. So we're not ever going to go back to 1979 or, or 1990 or, or whatever, but but a bridge back to some of those principles. And it's interesting because um, Lenore Skenazy, she, uh, she's referenced as America's worst mom. Her story is that she um, she sent her kid home on the subway in New York by himself. He wanted to see if he could get home. I think he was mm. eight, you know, eight years old or something. This wasn't all that long ago, and and people found out, and she was immediately in the news, and and they dubbed her that America's worst mom, and, and he made it home fine, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, she, she talks. She has so she had this book called Free Range Kids, and and a whole organization, and they and they talk a lot about how back when we were kids, people didn't know where we were, and that was fine, um, but. And, and so you know, there's this sort of sense of of childhood independence and and should we know where our kids are and should we not? but either way, this is a tool to help regain some of that freedom that was lost because of all the things that you just brought up, which is not just fear because they say that they say that crimes have gone down, you know that, that we don't necessarily need to be you know extremely afraid it's a little bit more sensationalism and stuff in the news um, but also just, Appearances, like you said, and um, and if there are less kids and less parents, you know, there's less eyes, then this is a good tool to help make sure that um, kids are cared for and safe. So we can't go back because things have changed, but we can we can have a bridge toward a lot of those principles that were that we're looking for, which is freedom, which is time away from the eyes of adults, which I think is important um, for kids as they grow, um, you know, time in the neighborhood. And then maybe kids do venture out more because the parents have, you know, that extra layer of of what they need to feel comfortable um, to let your, their kids go. Uh,
1: the perception about about whether or not it's safe on the streets, right? And, and you called out crime statistics, statistics are, are actually at all time lows. Um, You know, we thought about doing this with our mobile app, the, the one that parents use to communicate with the watch and to track it and those kinds of things. We thought about actually overlaying on the map view in an anonymous way other parents, like how many parents in your area also are using Cosmo, right? Because what that would tell you is I've got allies in my neighborhood. There's other parents here who've bought this watch. And if you've bought this watch, it's because you really care about your child having, you know, a certain kind of a lifestyle, right? And to grow up a certain way, and I'm an attentive parent, so I got this thing, right? And what if you, what if we could develop the notion that our communities are actually safer than we thought, right? Because I think right mm-hmm. now, if there's resources for parents, it's like, how many predators are in my zip code, or how many drugstores are in this area, or, or what it's all bad things, right? But like, really, right. the average person that your child is going to bump into is going to get them an ice cream cone and say, where's your mom? Let me help you out, right? That's the—that's really what kids run into most of the time. And you add a little bit of technology to make sure there's a good ending to that story. And we should feel very comfortable letting our kids run around in areas that we know.
0: Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat, That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchap.com slash outside 120, code outside 120. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vesees ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot slash outside for 15% off your first order. Yes, it's so interesting, Russell. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with this organization. It's called Wait Till Eighth. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Of um, course, so yeah. her um, her premise, and we talked just recently, um, is is sort of similar to what you're talking about, which is that you have these families that are committing to wait to give a, a smartphone until eighth grade, and um, and so they they sign a pledge online, um, and they put in their their location, you know, their child's school, basically, and then if a certain threshold of people, a cohort, have all signed the pledge, then they all get a notification, and and mm-hmm. so then they know they know who are the other families, you know, that um, and they know that the other families will know eventually, right? That's part of the thing. Then you you have this list of families that are also waiting um, that period of time to have the smartphone, so mm-hmm. then your kid knows they're not the only one. But what was interesting that she said. And this community aspect that you bring up, Russell, is that she didn't uh, anticipate that all of these families, they would start to come together, you know, and they would have bonfires on Friday night. And they would they wow. would be bringing these and they would be helping their kids to form relationships with the other ones that also didn't have the smartphone. They were doing that outside of the school day. And I thought that was such a cool thing. And that's, that's a similar, I think, to what you're saying, which is, you know. This idea of who's in our community and who else, um, you know, is maybe wants to parent in a similar way in our community that want to have their kids have a little bit of freedom. And I like what you said, just a little bit of technology might be what you need to get over the, get over that hump. And I think that's, that's a really good way to put it. Um, They don't have to have a smartphone in their pocket, you know, in order to get over that hump of, can they go down to the neighborhood park? You know maybe just a watch with a bright right. color band and knowing that there's yeah. four or five other kids that are that are in the same spot and they could go knock on a door and everybody can take their bands and and run to the playground yeah. or or bike around 100%. the block or, right
1: or you know, whatever it is um and and that you know that that's a fascinating story about wait till 8th and 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 it's spawning sort of organic communities of, of uh, uh, people who share the same sort of affinity for how they approach tech it, you know what that that says to me is, you know, groups don't just form, right? It's actually really hard to create groups. Uh, right. If you sat down and were, and we're like, I want to make a club, first of all, you need a really compelling premise and and you need something that bonds people together, something that's really core to who people are for them to say, you know what, I'm not going to just stay at home tonight. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go through the effort to meet other people. It suggests how important this actually is because, you know, for people to rally around and... and Organize and, and and get together over a shared view of technology indicates how impactful technology actually is on our lives. Right, it's actually creating groups of people based on just how we think about it. Um, but I, I want to also talk about what you said with the uh, you know all the kids getting together at the park. You asked for some stories. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've seen with our uh, customers is that kids are. In- are capable of doing incredible things in, in uh, different situations, right? Uh, We have recognized that one kid with one watch at the park makes every kid at the park safer. And the reason that works is because one kid who can call for help typically will. If there's a crisis or if there's an emergency, kids are very good at using the tools at their disposal and kids understand technology backwards and forwards, right? And their own personal device in particular. So we, we've had so many stories about kids intervening in medical emergencies or, you know, in, in random crises where someone fell off the bike or what have you. One of our favorite ones actually popped up in a, in a review one time online. We, we weren't able to get contact the customer. So all we have is about two sentences to understand what the story was. But it sounds like grandma fell down and, and broke her clavicle. And uh granddaughter was able to uh, call uh mom who was on vacation and explain the situation who was then able wow. to call for actual assistance which showed up at the house right? right and so this is one of those this is one of those great stories where you would you would assume that you would get the kid a watch so that when they stay grandma if they have any problems and grandma can't help or whatever but like in this case the child saved grandma right and and so really who's taking care of who here kids are uh, immensely capable Uh, with just a simple tool, right? And as long as that tool doesn't come with a bunch of unnecessary garbage uh, that's going to weigh down their childhood, then why not? Why not? That's the question.
0: Right. Right. And that's interesting because, you know, most households don't have a home phone. And so Mm -hmm. that's not an option, you know, to pick up, pick up the home phone uh, and to call. Actually, this is like completely uh, off the scope of what we're talking about, but it was It was interesting. I had an experience just recently where I called a friend um, and, you know, people hardly call anymore, right? We just, we text or or whatever, but I had called a friend and, um, and her daughter answered the phone and she said, I don't know, my mom's in the bathroom or or something. She's, she's doing something. Um, And so, and so I talked to the daughter for a few minutes before the mom was available and it, and it took me totally back to my childhood when that's how you would call people. I completely forgot (laughs) that, you know, that that you had a, you, it was more of a built in community with the whole family because you were interacting in these different ways. Um, I don't know. It has yeah. nothing to do with anything, but it just well, made no. me but think about change. I don't know if
1: you, I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you had dial up at some point, if you were using a dial up internet connection and you try to use the phone, it wouldn't work. Right. right, right. I mean, think about that. If you, if you were a kid today in the house and every time you were trying to use your tablet, your mom couldn't make a phone call. I mean, tech would be way more locked down right?
0: <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah, it's these things that you never think about. And I, and I would think about how, you know, if I was trying to call a friend, and then I would often have to talk to the mom for a couple minutes or the brother, or, or these different yeah. things. So, um, you know, and that was the technology of the day. And I think this, this, um, the sort of concept of technology as a vehicle for community is such a good one. And that's why you guys talk about, you know, tech doesn't have to be all or nothing, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. I, I think um, I think technology is, honestly, it, it needs to be completely reimagined. We're 15 years into the era of, of smartphones, right? Steve Jobs comes out and and unveils the smartphone uh, and and the entire world goes bananas for it. And we, we just dive headlong into this world of personalized supercomputers in our pockets. And I think 10, 15 years on now, we're starting to ask questions about, well, okay, did we just blaze past some barriers that should have existed all of us, not just kids, right? Adults, too. But right. we certainly have to look at kids as kind of the canary in the coal mine, right? If, if something's going wrong for kids, it's a probably a really good suggestion about what's going on for everybody um, because they're so much more susceptible. Um, and so, you know, with our product, actually, one of the things we talk about is we do not design this product to be used every day. Right, it's Hmm. something that doesn't need to exist every day. We we aren't sitting here tracking daily active users and hourly active users and how do we get our engagement metrics up and how do we what feature can we develop that's going to just suck them in a little bit more, right?
0: Yeah,
1: that's the kind of addictive technology design and development that you were talking about, where you know you're swiping down on a slot machine and and you're hooking the user on some sort of a behavior. Uh, And so instead, we're making a technology tool. It's a utility. You know, when your kid wants to go bike the neighborhood, put on the watch. When you're, you leave your child at grandma's or go for a sleepover or, you know, go to school, but put that device in school mode so they're not actually using it at school. It's just there so you can track them, so you can call them and only you can call them, right? So it's just a, a, a limited purpose device. But it's there for incredibly meaningful moments. It opens up opportunities uh, that didn't exist before. But it's not meant to be on your child's wrist all day. There aren't gains on there. There's not a lot of things for them to be wasting their time on. We are very intentional about not creating yet another addictive screen in the world, right? Right. Um, And and so it's, it's just going a different direction with technology.
0: Right. I like that. It's like um, I think the purpose of institutions and different things are to grow and um, or, you know, different. Com- and this is like to shrink. Right. But it, but like you said, it's we've sort of blazed past. And so it's I think everyone is all of a sudden it's not been that long. Right. All of a sudden, everyone's like, OK, hold on. You know, how do we want to raise our family and, and what are some different solutions that are out there? And uh, we had a we had an experience with a, a non smartphone. Recently, um, recently you guys have a non-smartphone coming out, right? Uh yeah. I like it. It's We're got a working clever name. On a kids phone. Start it's phone. Start phone, start phone yeah. instead of smartphone. That's clever. Yep. I like it. Okay, hey, I came uh, up with that myself. Okay, I like it. That's real clever. <laughs> so a start phone. And and actually this this concept of introducing technology at stages, I think, is, is a really good one too. That goes along with all or nothing, right? Like this is the world that our kids are in. You know, so can we teach them? Like like you said, you know, you don't when you're in conversation, you put your phone away. When you have friends over, you put it away. You you turn your watch off, or or these different things. But, um. So, anyways, we had a we had had a, t- a chance to try out one of these non-smartphones uh, for our son, and he was you know twelve or thirteen. And you know it's like you get these things, and you're supposed to try them out. You're supposed to kind of post about them, right? That's sort of the the exchange there. But the problem was is we never used it, you know, because it wasn't addictive. And, you know, here yeah. and there, it's like, oh, you're gonna call grandma or so I'm like, oh, should I videotape this this one moment or you know, but but that was kind of the point, right? Is that it was yeah. it was just sitting on the counter. It it didn't have that addictive quality to it. And you used it as a tool for when you needed to actually call someone or or get a hold of someone to make plans and that was it. And so um it's definitely an interesting a way to look at technology and also it is uh, refreshing to know that there's companies out there that aren't trying to steal your time.
1: <laughs> your time, your data, your your behavioral profile. I mean, there's so many things mm. that, you know, I mean, we're building these systems, right? We've got, you know, cloud servers and, and event tracking and all these things, right? And it would be easy enough for us as a company to say, you know what, if we started tracking, you know, this thing or that thing or the other thing, then we could make features that would leverage those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as a philosophy, as a company, our design principles—we uh, actually, uh, as a company, have adopted what uh, what is called a human-based design or or human-centered design principles. Uh, and there's a—I don't know if you can get anyone from that community on your podcast, but I think your 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 listeners might be really interested in that. Uh, it's just a, a community of technologists that are thinking about. Designing technology that actually supports authentic, healthy human behavior, right? And, it, and it, starting from there, when you're building anything in technology, means that you're going to build something radically different from what normally gets built. Because normal technology, to your point about institutions, uh, inherently being about scale, normal technology is about how many users can I acquire how many hours can I get them to use how much commerce can I get them to transact how much data can I get from them right that's that's ev- and that's wow. everything that's every technology we use we're on zoom right now that is zoom right that is they are gathering as much data as they can so they can optimize this product and get us to use their product you know for years and years to come uh, wow. it, it's everything we're building the opposite of that which sounds counterintuitive and and when we talk to investors it's a funny conversation because they're like wait wait, wait you're you're not trying to make something okay well uh, co- communicate to me then how you get customers right and we get customers yeah. because people much like the people who gather around bonfires from wait till late find us right people yeah. come to us because they're looking for something different so it's really it's a mission oriented company down to the the zeros and ones that make up our product
0: that's fascinating i've actually not heard about the human centered design principles i'm interested to looking to look into into that more and just this concept of supporting authentically healthy human behavior. That's also really interesting. And you can see that you could see that with this non-smartphone that we tried was that it did do that. It's, it just, you know, in the way of sitting on the counter and being there for when we use needed to use it. And that was it. And so um, it's centered around humans and, and healthy living. So I I love that, you know, you talk about, you're all about empowering parents. Um, And so that, That's the purpose of the product, not to do all these other things. You guys have really interesting articles on your blog. Um, There was one about the top family trends of top family tech trends of 2022, uh, which I found was interesting. You had some statistics in there about 53% of kids below the age of 11 have a smartphone. Companies target younger and younger kids. But you also talked about augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, which I don't know a lot about. Do you know a lot about those those fields?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, I, I've never worked in AR or VR or any of those spaces. I haven't built technology in those spaces. Um, but the the statistics are uh, disturbing. Uh, in fact, I just read one yesterday that Roblox, which is a really popular game, I understand it's not exactly augmented reality, but in a sense, right? You're you're building an infinite digital world in there. It's a a, a very immersive game. Uh, I, the, the statistic is that the amount of user hours logged on that platform would amount to 144,000 human lifetimes. And if you think about how that skews in terms of user age demographics, those are 144,000 lifetimes that are being sapped out of very young kids, um, you know, before they're, you know, they've even left the house. Um, and, and just that. You know, I don't want to say that all gaming is a waste of human potential or or or, or whatever. I mean, there's certain, it's a creative outlet, it's a fun outlet. Uh, certainly during COVID, what else are you gonna do? You know, you mm-hmm. understand for sure that games have a place in our world. Um, but there's there's a point at which, like we were talking about, we've blazed past some disturbing mile markers, mm-hmm. right? And and it seems like nobody in power is asking the questions and, uh, and the, the companies behind these games don't seem to be interested in correcting course or, or even self-reporting about some of the, the problems they may be a part of creating. Um, augmented reality, the metaverse, these kinds of things that are coming down the pipe are Roblox 2.0, Minecraft 2.0, they're the next great version of it, right? And, and one of, something I'm sensitive to, Ginny, and I, I don't know if you've seen this happen in cycles of technology paranoia, I don't want to be the, the, the guy, we don't want to be the company saying TV is going to ruin culture, right? I mean, yeah, that is exactly what they said in the 50s and 60s. The TV is going to rot your brain. Uh, and in a sense, it did, right? Like, let's not, let's not pretend like TV hasn't had some negative consequences. Uh, but I don't want to overshoot and say everything about the metaverse is going to be bad. Everything about, everything about gaming, everything about, right? That's just too much of a right. blanket statement. There needs to be balance, right? And that just means options. There needs to be the way to choose not to have a, a life that's completely immersed in those kinds of formats. Um, and so technology optionality uh, is something that uh, quite frankly doesn't exist very far and wide, but like you found with a kid's phone company, there's a few that are coming out and trying to figure it out, right? How, mm-hmm. do, we, how do we make options?
0: I think your point that you brought up was actually really fascinating when you said about funding. So, you know, that that even goes to that level, right? Where you're like, well, these companies, you know, they're not pulling back. They're just full steam ahead. Nobody's talking about well, you know, how is this really affecting children? How is this really affecting humanity? But but if that is one of the only ways that you can get funding, you know, or that you really have to convince people to get funding if you're not mining data and you're not, you know, s- grabbing attention and that type of thing, you could see how it would be really difficult to step out of that circle and create something different.
1: Well, I mean, it... And this is where this is where you start to, to pull pull the thread on a really interesting uh conversation about systems and society. Right. Why does why is there not uh a kid's phone? Like why does Apple not have a kid's phone? Why does Google not have a it's a, like called a, a kid's phone, right? And it's just like you get it and it's just perfect for kids and there's and you're like, Oh yeah, of course, why wouldn't wow. I get that? Why why doesn't that exist?
0: I've exactly never thought I've never thought about that. That's so wow. interesting.
1: Okay, well, the answer is because these businesses have a business model that monetizes user data. They have to advertise to you because you might buy the hardware, but you're the product, right? They are selling to you and their network of advertisers is where they make their money, not from you per se. And so for kids under 13, there are federal laws in place, COPA, the Child Online Privacy Protection Act, as well as many state laws that forbid tech companies from monetizing the data of kids under a certain age, under 13. And so they cannot make a product for kids because they have no idea how to make money from it.
0: Wow. I have never thought about that. And that is so fascinating. Yeah, that these, that these, they're like these small one-off companies. If you're trying to find a solution for your family so that your kid can have more freedom and, you know, and can, and can bypass all of these issues that, you know, homes don't have actual landlines anymore and all of these different things that you have to like find these you know, companies that you've not heard of before, you mm-hmm. really have to go search them out. That is bad. Yeah. And here's Apple, you know, or Google. <laughs> They've been around, for. they got so much money. They they, yeah. they could do it. I've never thought of that.
1: I, I, Jenny, this is where this takes a turn into potentially the disturbing is if you think about Amazon Kindle, right? The, for kids, they have like the kid's tablet. Uh, that is Amazon. Um essentially gathering data on a child who's very, very young, and they're learning their favorite color, they're learning their bedtime, they're learning uh, the kinds of content that they like, Uh, you know, they're probably learning things about their race, ethnicity, gender, sexual preferences, they're gathering so much from that data, which is being bottled up into a little Amazon algorithm to sell to that person for the rest of their life, right? So from the time they're four or five years old, they're on Amazon's platform, and Amazon knows who they are, and they're gathering that data. Why does Amazon have that device if not for its own internal data purposes? Because they don't make any money on it. Look what they retail it for—almost nothing, right? And you know, uh-huh. now sure, we need a, a proper whistleblower to come out of Amazon and say that. And they're, you know, that's that's uh, maybe a one-day thing. I I can't, I I can't wait for that story to drop, but. I mean, look at Amazon's other uh, data ethics practices, and you can't tell me that there's not something like that going on. Wow. Uh, and for that matter, you know, kids on iPads, kids on Google tablets, it, it's its everywhere. Um, wow. There is zero, like you pointed out, parents are the obstacle to sales. Yeah. And uh, so just, you know, I think families are, are waking up to the fact that big tech, much like big energy oil companies of the past are ruthlessly about scale growth and, and uh, profit shareholders.
0: Wow. It makes it makes me more excited and um, and committed to supporting these smaller companies that are providing similar things like there's these really cool um, little boxes. One's called Yoto, Y-O-T-O, and then another one's called Tony's, T-O-N-I-E-S. And they've got these little boxes and and you can put these cards in or these little characters. And it can read you a story and you can record your own or grandma can record one. And, and our kids love these. They're listening to music. They've got these, you know, these classic stories playing on them. And it's not a screen, you know, it's just, and it's, it's made for a young kid to be able to easily turn it on and hit play and switch the card, switch to something else. And, and so it's just, I think, a reminder to parents that. You know companies like yours and companies like these other ones that are not getting all this funding because you're not mining everyone's data and you're you've done an about face and are going a different direction are so important to know about um, and to support. It's really it's really eye opening when you hear what's going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a big wide world. Um, and, and there's a lot to unpack there. I think it would be great, honestly, if you if you looked into human-centered design. Um they're fascinating people over there. They're they're sure. philosophers really at this point, right? It's it they're out there kind of wow. describing a world that doesn't yet exist. Uh, but our kids deserve it. I, I remember when I was a kid in the '90s, there was this toy that my brother and I used constantly. It was a it was a recorder device, and you put a cassette tape into it, and it had a little microphone, and you push the button, and you could record. And you, of course, you could rewind and write over it. So we got infinite use out of that cassette tape, and we would, you know, write stories, and we play different parts, and you know, I mean, all kinds of things. And again, no screen, completely analog. So simple, two buttons and uh, summers and summers of entertainment out of that. And and we forget that it's simple when you let the fun be imagination instead of something that the product, you know, like a Roblox delivers to you and you're just the mindless interactor, you know.
0: Right. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing, it can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, hel dot slash 1000 hours. If you want to take ownership of your health it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com/1000. That's drinkag1.com/1000. Check it out. I think that the that the um that the term or phrase augmented reality is really an interesting one. Actually, I'd not heard of that really. You know, I I found that blog post on your site. I guess probably I've heard of it, but you know, obviously everyone's heard of virtual reality, but I thought augmented reality, what does that even consist of? And also like, isn't reality good enough? It's such an interesting phraseology to say, well, what our life isn't, you know, good enough as it is. We have to augment it somehow with technology. I mean, you're saying Roblox is kind of an example of augmented reality.
1: In a sense, right? It's a it's a limitless game. I think augmented reality typically, you know, they're they're talking about like glasses you can wear that will, you know, or you use your phone camera to kind of interact with your reality and it will superimpose a digital uh, huh. um, narrative on top of it, like Pokemon Go, right? Uh, that was a big thing several years ago. Everybody yeah. ran around the neighborhood trying to find the Pokemon, uh, and uh, you know, so there's there's a there's a whole emerging world with that, which in a sense isn't all bad, right? Again, saying not all tech not all technology is bad. Augmenting reality with the purpose of uh, enriching uh, outdoor physical human experiences or human interaction that's not a bad thing. I I'm s- suspicious or or suspect that they'll do it in a way that's actually healthy for everybody, but let's see what they come up with.
0: Yeah. I mean, Pokemon go got a lot of people outside and actually still does here and there. I still see people talking about it. It was a real exciting thing. And, and um, it's, there's been a long tail effect of that for sure. But I just think it's an interesting phraseology augmented reality. Like I'm like, reality is pretty good in and of itself. So (laughs) Um, it's just thought that, you know, we need technology to make it better. Um, you know, and maybe it's like, well, Hey, like biking around down to the park with your watch is augmented reality, right? It's, it's, a uh, it's good. Um, okay. So tell us real quick, uh, a little bit about the watches. You said they've got, um, they've got the bright color band, which high visibility is definitely a thing. You know, they talk about it for swimsuits They talk about it for, um, you know, if it's hunting season, it's good to, to have high visibility and you guys use the hashtag better tech, um, but I'd love to know just a little bit more about the Cosmo watches. Junior, yeah, absolutely. Junior Track Kids Smart Watch.
1: That's right. So Cosmo is the company. Junior Track is the watch. Um, the Junior Track Kids Smart Watch is a 4G enabled device. So we uh, ship these with a SIM card pre-installed. It operates on a T-Mobile network. Uh, we actually sell the subscription ourselves. So with the membership that you pay to Cosmo, you get unlimited 4G connectivity, you get the parent mobile app that uh, administers and connects with the device and you get insurance on the device. Uh, the device can call, it can text, it's got GPS tracking, it's got a pedometer in it, it's got a camera, it's got uh, you know a calculator, it's got a, a few little things for, for a child to kind of organize their life with. Uh, and it comes with great functionality for parents and kids. And so parents can set reminders, you can manage a calendar, you can set alarms, you can obviously put the device into school mode or bedtime mode and have schedules for when it's uh, being used not used. Um, You you know, there's a lot of little things that really make it um, a good experience. You get alerts when the battery's low, you know, you get uh, notifications when your kid arrives in a space that you've designated, like, you know, my kid arrived at home, my child arrived at school, you can set geofence locations and get check-ins for when they arrive in certain places or leave certain places, right? Um, And so really, you know, uh, we we see this becoming a part of parent-child lifestyle. Uh, If you start to leverage all the tools that come with this device, it solves for a number of pain points. It creates just sort of this connected peace of mind where you always know where your child is and you always know you can reach out and they always know they can reach out to you. At that very early age where separation anxiety can be uh, a concern, it just closes that gap uh, and it does it without the baggage that comes with other devices. Mm -hmm.
0: I think separation anxiety goes both ways too. (laughs) It's an Uh, interesting thing. Okay. So here's the thing I've talked about this before, but I'm going to tell you this story because we've not talked about this before. There's (laughs) this man named Peter Gray, Dr. Peter Gray, and he has a book called free to learn. And it's all about just freedom, childhood freedom and how, you know, kids are biologically designed to learn and explore and to grow all sort of on their own. And, And basically this concept of adults stepping back and, um, and he's fascinating. I mean, his book is life-changing. And and so, we, we got him on the podcast, which I was surprised. And I was, you know, I've got to re- I read all these books, Russell, like to get prepared. Because sometimes I'm running low on time. So, I'm like, ah, oh, just skip the end. Or I'm like, no, no, I got to finish it. And so, he tells this story of um, his child uh, who went to Europe by himself. So he went. It was a two-week trip. Um, He had to. He planned for it. He worked for it. He got the plane ticket. He figured out where he was going to stay. And he was thirteen years old. uh, That he went. I know. I know. And and so (laughs) I know. In the eighties. In the eighties. And his his child was a type one diabetic. And um, so that was actually their biggest concern was that. you know, it, would he be safe and and that sort of thing? And so they went through all this kind of back and forth. And, and finally, they agreed to let him go. And they, you know, he didn't have a smart wall. He didn't have anything. I think he only called home. He said once or twice collect because it was super expensive. So drop him off at the airport, pick him up two weeks later. And he had this adventure in Europe and, and did these different things at age 13. And so it's just one oh. of those things. I mean, not that many decades ago, right? So it's just one of those things. And he said, people raised their eyebrows a little bit. You know, there were people that were kind of like, ah, but he said, for the most part, it was just kind of fine. And so I think <laughs> that's separate. <I, laughs> we really come a long way. I mean, the 80s don't seem like they're a long time ago, but not that long, you know, and so now it's like, we're talking about that's why I say I think the separation anxiety piece is is a big part of the parents as well. you know it's like we don't you know we don't know where our kid is and and we just feel that angst and that um, and that nervousness. And so this is a good way to sort of help insert it back in a way that we actually do it, right It's like maybe the, we would never let our kid go otherwise, but now you know this is that bridge, right It's that bridge back to um, some of those principles that that we're we're looking for so.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm obviously not going to endorse 13-year-olds going to Europe on their own, but maybe in the 80s, that was a little, a little bit more chill. Um, but no, I mean, that's exactly the idea, right, is, uh, is uh, that I think that we have massively overcorrected in the wrong direction, right, that we don't let kids do anything. And, uh, yeah. and so there's, there's room to give back a little bit.
0: Right, right. So if people, Russell, if people are interested in finding out more about Cosmo, about getting a watch, um, about your mission and that sort of thing, where's a good place for them to go?
1: www.cosmotogether.com. And and, uh, the website has uh, all the information they would want to know. We uh, are getting ready for back to school. So there's going to be a lot of great discounts in the next few weeks. Um, So look look on our website for those. Uh, We're also on Amazon. Uh, We love our Amazon customers as well. And uh, you'll get discounts uh, on Amazon. Uh, and you know, for uh, the months ahead, you know, we're we're a small company. Uh, if you email us, uh, odds are, uh, if you ask to talk to me, you could probably get a hold of me. Uh, we'd love to hear from people who have good ideas, parents who are you know looking for a specific feature. Uh, you know, we're we're still young enough and agile enough that uh, customer feedback really matters in terms of what we're building and developing. So. Uh, you know, I hope that your listeners are the kind of uh, people that might have ideas for us uh, and want to engage and, and tell us kind of what they think tech should look like for the family.
0: Yeah, I think that the the community idea is a cool one, like Cosmo Communities or, you know, people able to yeah. find other kids in their neighborhood so that, um, you know, everyone's feeling more connected. And I like what you said at, you know, at the very beginning about how sometimes even if just one kid has the tool, then, you know, the rest of the neighborhood can feel a little bit safer. Um So, and then you're also on Instagram at Cosmo together. I saw that there and you guys use the hashtag better tech.
1: That's our hashtag better tech. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not no tech, but better tech. I think that's fantastic. Okay. So we always end our, um, we always end our podcast the same way, uh, with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours.
1: Oh, wow. That's a good one. I've got one right off the top of my head too. Uh, I was probably seven or eight and I was visiting my granddad up in Sacramento and uh, we went fishing and I don't think I'd ever been fishing before. To this day, I can't tie a tie a, a, a hook. So uh, I was out there and every time I would cast my line, it would get caught in the tree. And my granddad would give me his pole and I would hold his pole while he would untangle the line from the tree. And every time he gave me his pole, I would catch a fish. And so I don't think he caught any, any fish all day. I probably caught four or five fish using his pole and I and he spent the entire day trying to untangle lines from trees. Um, but it was just such a fun afternoon. First time I ever went fishing with granddad. And uh, uh, yeah, that, that was my wow. favorite October memory. I think
0: what, that's a really, um, I used to go on uh father daughter canoe trips with my dad and I just love them. So we are in Michigan here and I don't know why they did this, but they would plan these canoe trips. There's um, just beautiful rivers in Michigan and they would plan these canoe trips in October and it's freezing. I mean, it's really cold wow. by October in Michigan. So I've got memories of um, like putting on a winter coat and like stepping into a canoe <laughs> for these trips with all my little friends, as you know, a bunch of girls and their dads and like canoeing down these rivers. I don't know. I'm like, why didn't they do it in July? I have no idea yeah. but I've just got such fond memories that just simple simple things I like I like your I like your story because you know that probably was not super fun for your granddad <laughs> you know you think about right <laughs> yeah. like it's like oh you know they got yeah. caught again you know probably not saying it out loud but like in the recess uh, recesses of your mind like oh my goodness I have to untangle yeah. this line again you know and keep handing over my pole but I think that's a it's a good reminder that even if we're irritated you know the kid can still be having the time of their life
1: Absolutely, I'm sure I was a subject of conversation among the adult table that night at
0: dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all, right. all right, I'm going to wait a little bit before I take him again until he's a little bit older. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, this has been such an uh, intriguing conversation, and and like I said, I think it's um, it's time for parents to sort of band together with with those that are providing alternatives, um, because as a big as big giants that that we're all going up against. So, you know, as parents, and then also as small companies and small tech wise companies, you know, where there's a lot to go up against. So I really appreciate your time. And I'm it's cool. I think it's always cool when you have a conversation that hops you to something else. It's like a real life rabbit trail, not an internet rabbit trail. And um, so I'm actually super intrigued to learn more about the human centered design principles and 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 what they're doing. So, thank you Russ, I really appreciate it.
1: Jenny, thanks so much for having me. This is a great conversation.
0: Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal
1: mental health.